Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here to discuss a different drummer, which is episode 19 from season four that aired February 22nd, 1974. It is not available on Paramount Plus. So uh, either you have to watch it on TV, which I wish I had able to get a recording uh-huh. of it because of yeah. the music cuts, but I right. it is on Decades twice a day and we'll come back around but not in time for us to uh do the podcast uh do you have any idea ted why how this works out like why some episodes are not yeah so this happens with viacom shows for some reason this was a paramount viacom show so i love lucy uh has parts of his episodes on streaming the odd couple is another one honeymooners is not available for streaming anywhere I think this has to do with the license to television stations across the country where these shows, Mm. those ones I mentioned, well, at least I Love Lucy and Honeymooners are still pretty big. And I think that when the deal was done some time ago to allow these shows to go onto streaming or not with the Honeymooners case, there was a holdback so that some people would have to only watch some episodes on TV outside of DVD. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I thought that, that um, it's kind of arbitrary. It's like, as long as it's not a hundred percent, right. That's yeah, why that's... it's like only every three or four, every five or six episodes, there has to be one. The issue I have with it, cause I watch, I love Lucy twice a day while I eat. I know that sounds weird, but with my lunch and uh, dinner, is that, is that a true fact? It's you a just, true fact. You just... Yes. Yes. That I wish they would rotate which episodes are available. So when I'm watching, I love Lucy at twice a day. I have to supplement with DVDs. If, I'm, if I, I usually watch on DVD because I can't watch it on streaming r- regularly because uh, they're not all there. Uh, I'm curious that do you have some kind of Pavlovian reaction yes. that if you're always eating to I Love Lucy, that whenever I Love yes. Lucy's on, you get hungry. That is true. In fact, <laughs> well, you want to get in my psyche. We have I have what I call eating shows. There are about there are five. Honeymooners is another sure. one of them. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, Family we, ties. Mm-hmm. And yes, if I if I watch I Love Lucy without, I could only watch it while eating. I don't watch it any other time. And if I were to watch it without eating, I would get hungry. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so I think I, so. They don't rotate them either. It's the same episodes that are not available on streaming. Uh, this was true. This has been true for a long time. And uh, and that's the honeymoon has really surprises me. I didn't know that that. So obviously, I guess it's not public domain yet. Like someone no. still owns the rights to the honeymoon. Yeah, I don't. I don't think TV series ever. Of I don't. Outside of some cartoons, I don't think TV series ever go in the public mm. domain. I don't know why. Because there but, was some. Yeah, one of the broadcasters still has it, and they want to. It's, a it's studio, so valuable it. to them in syndication. That's my guess. And the stations have. My guess is this is a guess. The stations had to allow somehow sign off on the streaming rights. And that yeah. was a, uh, or or they would not perhaps pay it's less amazing for them. That the honeymooners would be the one holdout, the yeah, oldest show. There also could that. be some I mean, estate. I like a 
it's also possible some of these uh, shows have issues with the estate, like the estate right. of Jackie Gleason, the estate of Lucy Arnaz controls. I don't know if there's any estate issues also that prevent right. that have to get involved. Although hmm. I would imagine uh, they don't care because streaming would probably give them more money. So that's my guess. I've, I've always, I've wondered that myself. I've asked some people at work, I think, because I work in this business, but I can't remember if I asked them really directly enough to get an answer from them. Hmm. Uh, what what show are we doing this podcast about? Uh, I Love Lucy. Oh, right. All right, we're talking about the episode. Where get, they moved I'm to getting get... hungry. I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, and uh, speaking of something not related to this episode, today is Sunday, November 14th, when we were called. When we record this, that means yesterday was yep, November thirteenth. We missed we missed an opportunity there. Yes, well, we were supposed to schedule do it yesterday, but somebody couldn't do it. Got, uh, I was surprised that how uh, uh, it was quite it was quite trending. In fact, on social media yesterday, that was a shot at uh, you. And I said somebody could you screwed up by our not being able to report on November thirteenth. Oh yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I was available. To, uh, was I don't, trending? I don't need to get into the personal reasons why, but um, yeah, I didn't it was, know. I, I noticed where, it, and I tried to where I did trending on twitter per se yeah, specific yeah. oh and uh i i tried to help us out by trying to piggyback on that but i i really have no twitter followers so it, i'm not sure it caught on but i hope maybe we got a few more listeners i tried okay. to i promoted the show i promoted the podcast i see as a way to celebrate oh i could have i should have couple day i should have i have odd couple day i have eleven thousand followers on twitter if i can brag wow. not from this well, show but i I, 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 I did. We should have coordinated. I, I didn't even think about it yesterday. I'm not a great marketer on, yeah, on our I, podcast. We should get our social media manager on that. Yeah. Who's that? Is that your daughter? <laughs> That's probably my daughter. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, anyway, we're, we're, we're close enough to it I, yes. in a way that we let's, can. Let's honor them. Yes. And the podcast wouldn't even become available on the day of Odd Couple Day anyway. So. And I suppose there's next November 13th, but by then. They might be done. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to figure out. Uh, yeah, they want to figure out when I Lucy Day is because that's our next podcast, as you as you remember. Okay, well, so wait. music cut. What? All right. So we start. So this is a weird episode uh, if you're watching it not on television because it starts with a music cut. The the uh, the Felix is with his band who we will later. They were are later called the Sophisticados when we get to the Pernell Roberts episode, but here. They're called um, Felix Unger, the Unger Five plus none. Is that and some kind of wordplay on? I guess so. I plus think one. It, I guess plus one would be a usual thing, but I don't know any specific band being referenced. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Dave figure. Clark Five. I mean, there's Dave Clark Five. Right, but the plus uh, none does seem like some sort of music joke, but I, I quite, I'm not sure if it's something specific. So apparently they're, according to our friend Lee, who has provided us all the music cut information, they're playing the song My Blue Heaven uh, when the show starts, but we don't see that in the actual episode. But I do have a few minutes, uh, less than a minute of Bing Crosby singing My Blue Heaven, so we know at least what the song is. Oh, very nice. Turn to the right and a little 
that light is gonna lead you to my So that's my blue heaven. Uh, maybe sounds just like Tony Rand. Maybe if I, if it, although by then it probably won't be relevant. By the time this episode, that episode comes back onto decades, I could play that at the top of whatever episode we're talking about yeah. at the time. Right. It, it should right. be in a few weeks. So when they're done, they start applauding. They're very happy with their performance. Now, according to the DVD uh, transcript, the closed caption, which we know is not very good but it sounded that he says the word eddie 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 three times and they spell it e-d-d e-d-d-y okay, well, do, you, do you know what that means you have to yeah i i went back and watched it after you mentioned that and um it's you have to the context is like they finish the number and they're all like slapping each other on the back I, literally felix is giving like a not a high five but giving five he does that later too yeah a, sli- a very sliding hipster yeah. five um and it's a way of congratulating them i it's it's kind of inaudible but i i i kind of hear heavy in that i think he's saying heavy oh that that makes a lot of sense to me sort of a different kind of slang but it it's it it would be more fitting eddie would would. yeah i think that that makes a lot more sense to me uh we see murray is on his ukulele this so this is the band there's three other people there's a i i I figured out what these music instruments exactly were by fig- looking at the people. So there's a trumpet, there's a double bass fiddle. Is it bass or bass when you say that way? Double. You say it's double bass. Double bass. Is it spelled bass? Right, but it's spelled it's spelled bass, right? <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, it's very I, confusing I, to me. I I don't know the etymology and derivation going back centuries. You don't. Well, why am I doing this podcast with you? <laughs> I know that's the only thing I bring, right? All right. Um, but it is called a bass in the class. It's a as the classical instrument, the bass. It's bass, right? And a piano is that right? Piano, <laughs> piano. Okay, and a piano. Uh, so, My Blue Heaven was from 1927, originally sung by Gene Austin and covered by many other people. So Felix says, we're as good as we were in college. And the man on the piano says, I think we're better. So this man is played by Alan Copeland. He was a, so all three of these people in his band, and this, I didn't really realize till I was researching the episode, are real musicians. And yeah, it, makes, well, it that elevates was, that. Yeah, uh, that was, before you introduced them, I just want to say that, yeah, that was clear to me. It's always been clearer when they read appear because they're the same as the sophisticados right yeah i believe that's correct yes so uh yeah it's always been clear to me that they're unlike tony randall when he sits down at the piano most of the time these guys are really playing their instruments and uh and they're being cast for that they're not being cast for their acting ability although they're fine um and i oh i have a theory and i wonder if it would ever be able to be proven now that gary marshall is no longer with us but gary marshall mentions uh, in lots of accounts of the show that he at some point early decided he needed an odd couple band, a permanent odd couple band on set for all the songs and stuff they would do. So for instance, in the David Steinberg episode, when Felix sings these kinds of songs, they're off stage. And, um, and so I always had a theory that this is, these are the guys who were the odd couple band, but we never saw them before. Uh, maybe they show up in the cre- obscure background credits of other episodes, but 
It's that kind of thing. Basically what Gary Marshall is doing with this episode and with the later one is to, to basically bring that, bring a band on stage of the kind that he always had for Tony Randall. Alan Copeland was a singer, songwriter, composer. He recorded by himself. He recorded with a group called the Modern Airs, who worked with Glenn Miller a lot. And he had his own group for the 50s and 80s. Uh, he also worked with a lot, a lot with Red Skelton, and he was Billy Barty's brother-in-law for 20 years. Billy is, Barty, the little person, yes, actor. Yeah, character. that's such a random, weird, interesting fact. Hmm. That is a that is among the most random we have encountered. Yes. And yesterday, for chuckles, I stumbled onto Facebook a there's a there's a super clip of all the Love Boat opening title sequences with every star has ever been the love boat and billy barty was in that and i saw him there i was like just talking we're writing about billy barty so this is the first of two odd couple appearances for alan copeland the other one being the one that will come later when he's with uh pernell roberts murray says thanks for letting me sit in with your old gang felix says oh that's okay murray says hey too bad oscar isn't here he would like to have sit in too felix says oscar murray says yeah he told me he played bass drum so another bass probably mm -hmm. spelled be with his high school band. And Felix says, that's amateur stuff. We're pros. Murray says, well, for an old college band, you sure sound professional. Uh, just a word about Murray here. I, I have to assume that Al Molinaro really is playing his uke. Uh, I mean, which we've seen him do before on the show, but he must be, he's good enough at it that he can be part of this band because it would be too difficult to dub one of the four players. Agreed. Yep. So he really, uh, that's one reason it's good to have Murray be part of the band for, because he's a character in the show, but uh, it, 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 it's nice that they were able to incorporate him into the band because of his musical talent. And uh, Alan says, we could have been professional. We were almost on Arthur Godfrey talent scouts. And Murray says, what happened? Felix says, well, that was the week Arthur fired Julius LaRosa and he was down on all young talent. And Murray says, I'll bet you could get on TV now. I think that LaRosa thing has died down. So let's talk about that reference. This is one of the most infamous events in early television. Julius LaRosa was a very young uh, singer. He's in the Navy choir. He was singing. He was in his early 20s. He auditioned for Arthur Godfrey, who was one of the top broadcasters at the time. He hired him for a show in 1951. By 1953, La Rosa was now actually as popular or more popular than Arthur Godfrey. Uh, La Rosa hired an agent and manager, which Godfrey did not want any of his people to do. And he was late to a dance class once. So these three things reportedly led to Godfrey firing La Rosa live on the air. Wow. That's what makes it so infamous. On a radio segment in 1953, I think he had his TV show the way I understand this, the TV show went off the air. They continued on the radio and he fired him and we have that clip. So let's listen wow. to him getting fired live on national radio in 1953. Thanks ever so much, Julie. That was Julie Swan's song with us. He goes now out on his own as his own star, soon to be seen in his own programs. And I know you wish him Godspeed, same as I do. This is the CBS radio network. So after that, <laughs> so I've never heard that before. So, so he's, it sounds like Arthur Godfrey's trying to make it sound like as nice as possible, Yes, but it's basically something he throws in at the last second before they go off the air. That's right. So and you hear people in the audience, like 
gasped. gasped. Yeah, this became a big deal in public discussion and newspapers, and Godfrey's reputation was sullied. Then he tried to explain it that Julius LaRosa lacked hum- humility, which is why he did it, and that backfired. So he never really could kind of live down this, this uh, event that he caused. Uh, although he continued to work, but it always kind of haunted him. Lil Rosa went on to be a disc jockey and performer. Uh, so his career did fine. I mean, he didn't become a huge star, but he still was a, a, an active performer. Uh, he died in 2016. So well, this, is, this is great podcast content. You, you re- this is really down the rabbit hole of an incident I, that I was not even familiar oh, with. Oh, you never heard about this? I knew Julia LaRosa's name, but I, this is probably why I know his name. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, I think if he hadn't been fired on TV, on, hadn't been fired nationally live, <laughs> I don't, I think he would have been one of those fifties people that people don't remember anymore. Right. right. Unless he had yeah. some huge career that somehow this screwed up, which I don't think it did. Uh, I think it's also really funny that Murray says, I think that Julius LaRosa thing has died down yeah. now. Although it's only 20 years later, essentially. By the only time. well well we don't only the, like when you Murray say, oh, says this in yes, 1974 tw- right it's funny to me because it's ancient history to right now yes but but now when i think about it it's like us making a joke about a musical music industry scandal from the early 2000s right which i'm so, sure there are some that we've completely forgotten that's true uh, Felix turns to the band and says, I've got a sensational idea on how we get on TV. Alan says, well, what show do you mean? And Felix says, Monty Hall. The horn player says, let's make a deal. I can't pull this horn dressed up like a chicken. I should say it's the trumpet player because this man is played by Vern Rowe, who was a professional trumpet player who played with very big names like Harry James. And this is his second odd couple. He was in the season one in Grave Trouble. Do you remember the, we saw this. Yeah. There's this, there's a thing where they lose somebody's ring or something. They have to get something engraved. There's a robbery in the store. Wait, isn't this, this isn't the, the ring that Gloria, he needs to engrave yes. for Gloria. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Right. And it gets stolen. Remember from right. the store. Yes. And there's yes. a scene in an elevator where a man comes in and they think he's the guy and he's kind of, that's oh, Vern Rowe. They think he's the gangster. Yeah. And he turns out to be a bit uh, fey, right? He says it's a, they, they're intimidated by him. And then he, he just turns to them and says, such a terrible draft in the elevator. So that's him. And I, that was him. You're right. Yeah. I, was, oh, okay. I went to look. I couldn't figure out. He did out. not play the trumpet. He no, 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 no. He actually Which was... leads me to think he's somehow part of the Gary Marshall circle. Yeah. He's a friend of someone that they knew him. And then he knew they also, that he also played the trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he also then is also in the Purnell Roberts episode. Uh, we never hear from the bass fiddle player. He doesn't speak in the episode, uh, but he's credited as Morty Cobb, who was a very accomplished professional jazz bass fiddle player. And his, if you go look at him on Wikipedia, he's got, he performed with everybody. Uh, it's just interesting, though, he doesn't speak. And I don't know if they just cut him out. Uh, and he had some lines that we don't. Uh, just well, out. just to me, it just furthers my impression that these are real they're there because they're musicians well why not give not each actors. of them a, i think it's a little weird not to give each of them at least one line just to be maybe friendly this player was especially shy maybe well then why be on tv all right <laughs> uh this is his only acting credit by the way i in imdb you won't see anything else so uh felix after Vern says let's make a deal 
Felix says he's got a new show, Monty's Hall of Memories, old nostalgia stuff. We can do our golden oldies. Monty's going to love it. I'm going to get Oscar to ask him. Murray says, Oscar? Felix says, yeah, they're old friends. They were in college ROTC together. Some people say that's what gave Hitler the courage to declare war. Um, so that's a little strange, given that we just learned that Oscar. Oh, wait, I'm pausing for the Hitler comment. If you have a comment on the Hitler joke. Not what you're about to say, because I'm going to get to that. I have no I have no other thing to say about okay. Hitler other than. <laughs> Let's say Hitler where he lives. All right. Oh, Murray okay. says, uh, uh, excuse us, fellas, take five. And Felix says, Murray, I'm the leader. Take three guys. All right. So you want to say what you're about to say? You want to say it? Well, we just learned a few episodes ago that Oscar was only uh, 10 at the time of uh, World War II. Oh, sorry. I was doing a different. Okay, that's correct. But also. If Monty and Oscar are in a college together, Monty is 54 at this episode. Right. Yes. Yes. So, and Oscar was 40. Your point is he was 10 <laughs> in World War II because we, we found out he's Oscar. He was, 40. he was 40. So, and I do not, I'm oh, sorry, Monty was 53 when this episode aired. And since Monty is playing Monty, there is no age, there's no way to make him younger. Monty Hall is committed. The character Monty Hall is committed to being the real age of the real Monty Hall. I'm saying this is not the cast. It's not Monty Hall playing a characterized version of Monty Hall. This is Monty Hall. Therefore, we have to accept his real age, which is 53. Right. Which would fit the the timeline here. And 53-year-old men do not go to college with 40-year-old men unless they're really (laughs) held back. Um, Right. Well, the way I think of it is more is that... uh, Maybe Oscar was such was kind of this genius child who oh, one of these kids who I graduates see. from high school at 10 and ended up not only in college, but in ROTC as like, you know, 11 or 12 year old. Um, Ted, I, I, let's let's be honest. There's only one other conclusion we can draw, which is that time travel. We, well, there's that. But we the we're basing this on the headline, uh, the fake headline that Oscar's newspaper friends put forward of Oscar's 40 years of celebrates 40 years of sloppiness. Right. Right. Which is when it was uh, in uh, <clears throat> uh, vocal girl makes good was the episode. Right. Yeah. And, and so therefore perhaps we read that uh, t- we t- read too much into that when in fact it was meant to be quite literal that Oscar is 50 and he only became sloppy when he was 10. Well, you brought that up, I think. During the episode. <laughs> okay. And I, well, that I, this, makes no sense. More evidence of that. Yes. Well, you're, there's more evidence that the writers just had a continuity error, is what I'm suggesting. Not that the, I don't think the, I don't think they were that clever. I think they were trying to say he was 40 yes. and sloppy forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. We'll have to, you know, let the people Wait, decide. You're not, I think. <laughs> You don't really believe they're doing that. That's you're trying to no, give them. A- no. Okay. Here's what I seriously think, though. It has made me reflect on that instance. To it's possible, forty years of sloppiness was not even meant to be meant literally. But you're saying by the fictional people at the newspaper <laughs> staff, the writers of the show. Yeah. Yes. I don't think they decided yeah. to put up that fake prop thinking the audience would realize right. he was 50. And this is a joke about his, not his first 10 no, years. But it's, it's also, it could be the 40 could have meant he's in his forties, you know? And so 
Uh, I think you. That was just a way of telling the audience that he Oscars in his forties. But you didn't and say that, this. Oh, you're saying we're fucked. But now I'm saying this. Why now. do you say this now? You really believe this? Well, it's just so strange that they make that remark about they make that statement of him being forty just a couple of episodes ago, and now they're talking about him being. But you know, they're not thinking like this. Do. They're not thinking, oh, Monty Hall is going to By the way, I never got to say who. Oh, sorry. Yes, go ahead. Why don't you say that but now? But it was uh, a, a frequent team uh, of Frank Buxton, who also directed many odd couples, and Michael Leeson, who together wrote uh, a few episodes during. Uh... Anyway, you can Google them if you. We've talked about them before. But Frank Buxton being someone who also was a frequent well, director. Yeah. Someone who knows the show. I don't I, I think the premise that we've always had and, and, and it's long been out there is that this show is bad with continuity. So I think it's much easier to accept that they simply decided to call Oscar 40 for whatever reason, uh, unless it's almost an inside joke. Like we know Jack Klugman's in his That's 50s, true. but we're going to just yeah. call him 40. To, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm in order. I we have to Let pick me, something. Yeah. All right. Are we on to Monty's Hall of Memories yet? Well, yeah, you derailed us with the fact that you now don't believe that we're now saying for this podcast, like, what about future episodes? Are we going to agree that they try to establish him 40 or you're, you're backpedaling? No, I, I, he's Oscar's 50. Well, we know he's 50, but do you believe the show now tried to establish him as 40? Are you saying that? I think the show sees that as an aberration. now. What does that mean? <laughs> an aberration an asterisk no, no uh, i know what an aberration is what yeah. would you say the show you mean the show i don't know what you're saying you saying the show <laughs> moving forward no longer believes he's 40 and they're saying that i that would was... be surprised if there's another reference to him being oh i agree with you younger than 50 i know my premise is this is the whole podcast we've been doing this for a year and a half is that when they establish something in the show we go back and say why that is now makes no sense yes. Yeah. Do you, do you, are you saying that that's... Oh, I'm not questioning that oh, okay, methodology, no. All right, let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> Murray brings Felix aside and says... <laughs> I, I apologize to the audience for the last two minutes, but okay. Murray brings Felix aside and says, I didn't... Oh, we're not recording this. Just kidding. Murray brings Felix aside and says, I didn't want to bring down the other cats, but uh, Oscar's mad at Monty. I mean, things are not copacetic between them. Felix says, what are you talking about? And Murray says, well, Monty embarrassed him. Remember when you guys went on Let's Make a Deal dressed up in that horse outfit? Felix says, yeah, well, I was there. I wasn't embarrassed. And Murray says, yeah, you were playing the front of the horse. And Felix says, a stroke of fate. Oscar wouldn't hold a grudge. That's months ago. Okay, fellas, break's over. Come on, let's work, let's work. Let's do my biggie. My sure mm -hmm. standing ovation number. Okay, watch the maestro, maestro now. I'm going to play this clip unless you want to say something. No, no okay. play it. Stumbling all around, stumbling all around, stumbling all around, so funny. Stumbling here and there, stumbling everywhere, and I must declare, I stepped right on her toes. And when she rubbed my nose, and when I rose, I felt a share. I talked to you for a minute. You like it? Like what? Yeah, nice, nice. Tell the guys you liked it. I like it. He likes it. Did you see the paper? No. A money show tonight. He's going to show film pimps when we were on. Let's make a deal. Oh, that's as a horse. Well, I think that's wonderful. My aunt Cleveland didn't see it. Now she'll get a chance. I'm to never going to talk to that money hall again as long as I live. Oh, Oscar, Oscar, creep. Well, what did I tell you, Felix? Looks like no money hall. <laughs> Leave it to the maestro. I can talk that man into anything. I'm still living here, am I not? <laughs> 
So that show, that song was written in 1922. It's called Stumbling by Billy Murray, who was a very Can I confess something? Yes. It was not until revisiting this episode for our podcast that I realized that the song is actually stumbling all around. What do you think it was? And on my entire life with this show, I thought he was singing something all around. Oh, interesting. I never listened to the rest of the lyrics, though. Now that I listen to the rest of the lyrics, I see <laughs> how, how silly I was because and this song stumbling all around is tells like a story about a dance. And I think it's about uh, the boy is kind of it's a conversation dialogue between the boy and the girl. And he's stumbling, like, like trying to get a feel on her. And he says, no, that's just the latest step. And then she finally says, well, I like it just a little bit. So it's, I like the song, but I well, completely misinterpreted it. All these what years. was something all around? I guess that makes sense too. It could be, it could have been I mean, something I did, all around. It, something all around made sense as just a phrase. And right. I didn't listen to the rest of the song. <laughs> uh, so we have a new scene. Felix. Is... How did they sneak that one in? This is an episode that well, we clearly about made this. exceptions yeah, for well, some we, of these. Songs. We have said that before. We said either some of these songs public domain or they realize they have to go buy the rights my guess is another guess that when they were, were getting this ready for dvd and stream well before streaming they went through all of it they looked at all the songs and they realized these songs we have to get rights to because there's no episode without it right and there's, and there's no way to cut around it and so those uh, 10 songs they said they, they went and bought the rights that's my guess well, I'd like to think they did it thought that much in advance. I have another theory, which is that they went ahead and cut all the songs and they realized this episode only ran 10 minutes. <laughs> it could have either way. It could have been. I mean, they did either way is yeah. planning in advance. If you're going to cut all yeah. the songs out of all the episodes, you have to do that before you publish. Yes. Oh, yes. Set. No. So yeah. someone someone noticed that the episode was running only 10. Yeah, this is a whole, you know, it's a whole there's people who that's all they do is rights and clearances for yeah, for good. for music and, and when you do this sort of stuff. Um, so Felix is turning the TV on in the living room and he says very excitedly to Oscar that he should come in because Monty's almost on. And he says, you'll see the show. Then you'll ask him to put our band on. Won't you? Oscar says, how can I ask a favor of a man? I'm not going to talk to anymore. Felix says, you'll send him a note. Oscar says, yeah, if it's attached to a rock. So then we see Monty come on the TV. He starts talking about, let's make a deal being 10 years old. And there's a woman on there with him. And he's asking the woman uh, what happened since she's been on the show. And she says she and her husband have still not finished all the ice cream bars they won. And they are building their summer homes out of all the little sticks. Oscar's annoyed. Like his expression is like boredom and annoyance. And Felix is delighted. This is a weird little scene. (laughs) Well, um, it continues to get weird, as you say. But let me, this is a good moment for me just to note that I find it uh, weird, but also kind of, I kind of like that they created this whole fictional show for Monty Hall called Monty's Hall Hall of Memories that I I assume never actually was a show and never even was in development. But uh, I I kind of like the feeling of Monty Hall like doing this and then going to the network like, why don't I have a Monty's Hall of Memories show? But what do you think about this woman I could, oh. of all the things to do, the woman getting building out. Someone thought that was a funny joke because that's the kind of thing you want on. Well, let's make a deal, right? Like a, a year of canned squid, right? <laughs> uh, a year of ice cream. 
And uh, if you look up this actress who plays her, Frances G-A-E, gay, this is the only thing that's listed for her. So, so it's so again, someone's friend. Yeah, it's just such a weird little scene. Also, uh, can we verify that this is indeed the 10th anniversary of Let's Make a Deal? Uh, we could. I didn't. I did. I didn't do that. Oh, I, Ted. Uh-oh. Sorry. There's a lot of details in this episode. I got to. I, yes. I, no. I'm I, just... I accepted that one as as gospel. I think it's it sounds accurate. And then Monty plays. He says, "Now we're going to play clips of Let's Make a Deal." And the first clip they play, which I still don't understand why this is for. I can't tell if this is a local show in New York or a hmm. national TV show. If it's a hmm. local show in New York, it makes more sense because that's why Oscar Madison would get like that's why yeah right who's gonna care about yeah, who's gonna care about about their clips and they start with their clip like that's the first clip is yeah, oscar yeah. and felix so uh so they play like part of the scene from the right actual episode and i think that's the only time in this yeah. show yeah where uh, this excludes the exterior walking shots where they play a clip from the show in an episode I think, yeah, it's the closest that what that odd couple comes to a highlights episode. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> Where they actually came up with the reason. Now, I give them credit that they don't do the bad version of the highlight show, that it is integrated organic into the uh, story of the episode because yep. it was filmed for television. Their let's make a deal horse scene. Right. So it could have been rebroadcast on a television station while they watch it. Uh, but it it's a little it's a little beneath the odd couple to do this yeah so they watch it and felix is very excited oscar's angry watching it and it's also just a little weird felix says ain't like ain't life grand in the middle of it because he's so excited to be on tv again uh so uh, oscar eventually gets so annoyed he turns off the tv which leads to uh our next scene who are you, Jacques Loved it and Monty loved it. Go talk to him. I am gonna talk to him through my lawyer. You know I could sue him for putting that on without getting my permission first? I gave him permission. <laughs> that makes two guys I'm not talking to. <laughs> D- didn't you think the color was good? <laughs> I look cute. Godfather? Was 
the night editor. He thought it would be funny. Mm. I'll tell him it wasn't funny. Mm. Money, oh, when I see him, I'm going to give him such a clop. He won't know door number one from door number three. You'll never guess what's behind door number two. Hi, Oscar. Get out of here. Well, I'll just leave you two alone and just go horse around. <laughs> Felix wasn't kidding, was he? When did you talk to Felix? He called me this morning and told me how upset you were about the show last night. Mm -hmm. Really, Oscar, I'm surprised at you. Where's your sense of humor? I, I just don't believe that you can get mad over a thing like that. Yeah, well, we believe different things, different ways of life, buddy. But you guys were funny. Admit it, you were funny. Yeah. It was a good show and all in fun. Fun for you! Come on. Good old Oscar. Put a saddle on him, you can take him anywhere. Oh, boy. You can dish it out, but you can't take it, huh? What do you mean, dish it out? Well, think back to our college days. You invited me to a masquerade party that turned out to be a formal dinner for the dean, and I show up in a gorilla suit, huh? Yeah. That you like. I think that's where you got the idea for let's make a deal. Never mind. <laughs> the main thing is that I did it, you laughed, and I forgave you. Yes, you did. That's right? right. Even Steve. Even You're Steve. right. Okay, but no more. I don't want to see it on television. Well, 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 Mr. Hall. Hello, Felix. Monty the Muckraker, huh? You came Felix. down here to gloat over the man you humiliated last night in front of millions of people. Felix, Felix, Felix you told me to come whatever, down here. Whatever, whatever. Look, if you make fun of me, who cares? I'm an unknown photographer. But this man, a respected journalist, a famous man, to strip him of his last shred of dignity in front of the whole country. Felix, when you cut it out, it's all right. You man. hear that? It's all right. There's a big man. If you were as big as he, as compassionate, you'd try to do everything in your power to make amends. You'd try to do something really classy like I... Like what? Oh, put a friend of his on your TV show. Felix, will you please? That's not a bad idea, but I can do even better than that. You'll give his friend the whole show. No, better than that. You'll give his friend a TV series. No, I'm going to put Oscar himself on my TV show. Oh, do you want to do a thing like that for? What can he do? He's nothing. Oscar, you want to come on my show? Look out for nothing, will you? What do I do? Well, we're doing a college nostalgia bit, and we've been collecting some old film clips of college football games. Who wants to see old film clips? Yeah, and you can narrate the show and then do some of your sports stories. You can have a band. The band can play college songs. And because I know what you can do, I don't have to audition any of those crazy acts this week. You know, a woman hitchhiked all the way down from Schenectady to show me how she plays Ramon on top of her son's head. <laughs> the pressure's really getting to me, Oscar. You gotta learn to relax. You wanna play softball with us tomorrow? Yeah, I'd like to very okay. much. And after the game, come up to the apartment. I'll make some snacks. Yeah. Good. I'll buy you lunch. I want to tell you. Where's my lunch? Hey, that's a good idea. Where are you going, guys? Is there a good place near here? So there's a lot in there to talk about. So after Felix says, I look cute. We see Oscar walking into an office building with the number 235. I tried yeah, to figure- It's not his office. No, that is not the Paramount building. It is it. 15, uh, 1501 Paramount building I did, in Times Square. Nope. I'm, I'm not saying it is. Okay. I'm saying <laughs> I, it's, I know it's not. And I spent some time on Google Maps trying to figure out what avenue that is. I think it's an avenue. At first, I thought maybe it's Madison. Then I thought maybe it was- Park Avenue South, but I couldn't figure out what avenue it was. It wasn't clear. Yeah, enough. they don't show. It's just a close-up kind of of the door. While There's Oscar a little scene of him walking. He, Oscar. I and you could see the yeah, background. Right. I try to use that. Uh, I mean, it's just bizarre to me that they clearly are showing Oscar entering this building. So they had a reason to film it. But it's odd to me they would stop using the, the scene of the Paramount going into 1501 Broadway because that's Paramount's building. 
Yeah. So like that, like they would have lost the rights to use that building. And it does feel like they filmed this, unless it's in some other episode where we've forgotten. It feels like they filmed it for this, right? At least yeah. the first time I think we've seen that. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yes, it is the first time I've seen it, but I can't remember. Uh, so the noise Myrna makes after Oscar asks her how many is a lot, is she her pretending to count like a horse with her foot, her leg as a hoof? Yes. And then we hear a man making the neigh sound <laughs> is Eddie Garrett. Yes. And he's wearing the chef's hat made of newspaper like Leon, Leon was in the maid's ep- in the maid episode. Remember we had talked about chef's hat or um isn't it a chef's hat? It's kind of like a boat. It's like one of those like paper. Oh, sailor's hat. Of... I sorry, sailor's, sailor's hat, hat is yeah. what I meant, not chef's hat. Thank you. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't well, you weren't the you the one who said that you found out that that's something they did at newspapers? No, I made that up. I guess. Oh. That they, <laughs> but this reinforces my yes, guess. Yes, it does. That, yep. that there must this. I don't know if this would have been clear to the television audience, but in their exhaustive research for the show, which I'm sure they did, uh, about what life would be like in the offices of a newspaper, maybe it came out that especially for, you know, for the work labor staff, you know, like walking around with those hats might have been a funny thing. I don't know. Uh, and then, by the Oscar- way, Eddie Garrett, rare, um, if not speaking moment, uh, non silent moment, and a joke. Yeah. He gets to deliver, a and joke. he gets to have a joke, a little attitude toward Oscar. There, yeah. Uh, Oscar finds a plastic horse head on his chair. That's what he picks up when he says, "What am I, the Godfather?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way Felix tries to join Oscar and Monty at the end. Where are we going, guys? Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. have lunch, guys. The third wheel, right? Um, Hey, here's something else I just noticed listening that I didn't notice before. Did you notice Oscar called Myrna honey? I when he entered? I I I yes. I feel like he's done that before. I mean, is that right? Is that right? He did that, right? I think he did do that. Do you want um, me to do you want to go back I'm not and listen? Reading, no, it's okay. I'm okay. not reading anything into it. It, it is um, I mean I think, kind of the context is that he's tired and he just kind of but I think in the seventies kind of Old-fashioned, like yes. all all your right female subordinates or younger women are honey, right? But he never—he's. I don't think he's ever. Heard, I've never heard him say that. Call me I that. feel I mean, like he has done ne- that before. Maybe in like a dramatic, in a in a intimate dialogue where he's talking to her as a real person, but just walking into the office as opposed to hi Myrna, he says hi honey. So. so now we see a softball game in Central Park, which we've seen before. I think this is the third time we've seen that scene. Yeah. Uh, we're back in the living room. The members of the band are in the apartment. They're disguised as repairmen. There's air conditioner repair guy, a drapery cleaner, and the other person, we don't see what they're doing. Alan looks out the door and says, they're coming. Oscar and Monty both come in. Oscar says, how'd you make three errors to Monty? And they both start griping with each other about their, I guess, bad softball game. Oscar's sweatshirt is covered in grease and dirt. Felix says, well, well, how was the game? Looks like he hit, looks like he liked the park of, so much he brought some of it home with him. Monty points to the sweatshirt and says, yeah, look at this. Oscar looks around at these fake repairmen and says, Felix, what is this? Felix says, oh, something broke down. We're having some repairs. Oscar says, everything broke down at the same time. And Felix says, you have ever, you ever have a day like that? Go get cleaned up before you eat. And Monty says, dirtiest ball player I ever saw. Felix says, Monty, sit down, relax, take a load off your cleats, which is our second cleats reference in, mm. in like 
two episodes that we just have a cleats reference. Oscar, Oscar generally leads a very uh, a sporty life. Uh, so Monty sits down and all of a sudden the repairmen get into position to play some music. A load off your cleats. Oh, Enjoy thank you. I made you a snack. Have a sandwich. Oh, nice and a one, two. Stumbling all around, stumbling all around, stumbling all around. So funny. Stumbling here and there, stumbling everywhere. And I must declare, I stepped right on her toes. And when she bumped my nose, I fell. And when I rose, I felt ashamed. And told her, that's the latest step, that's the latest step, that's the latest step. Crazy stunt like this, I never would have asked you over. Wait a minute, Oscar. They weren't too bad. You see, he loved this. Oh, oh, hey, oh, he didn't say he loved. He said you weren't too bad. There's a big difference. Felix, if these guys aren't out of here before I finish dressing, I'm going to tune your nose. I don't believe what I'm saying. Crazy, lovable guy. What do you say, buddy? Can't you use the band on your show? Yeah, that might work out. But you see, I'm overbooked for this. As a matter of fact, I've got a comedian waiting three weeks to get on this show. Who wants to hear jokes when they could listen to music? But I don't think that we could make the transition from Oscar's sports stories into music. It's a natural. It's a natural. It's what they call a segue in music. It's perfect. Don't you see? It ties in because... No. It's Oscar's band. It's what? Yes. Oscar's band. Oscar doesn't play a musical instrument. And I've heard him sing. He's no singer either. He plays drums. Sticks Madison. The guy's got a great beat. Hey, that's funny. I used to walk a great beat. You see? (laughs) Do you want to listen to rotten jokes like that, or wouldn't you rather have music? Well, I'll tell you, since it's Oscar's band, yeah. we could make the transition. Why don't we ask him if he's... No, 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 no. Let, let, let me talk to him. The guy's a little bit shy about his talent. I thought he was just shy of talent. <laughs> Laugh it up, guys. It's his show. <laughs> you want to hear college marching songs, you're going to hear them from Oscar's band. Football hero, guys. And... You gotta be a football hero to get along with the beautiful gals. You gotta be a touchdown getter, you bet. If you wanna get somebody to bet, the fact that you are rich or handsome won't get you anything in curls. You gotta be a football hero to get along with the beautiful, along with the beautiful, along with the beautiful So I, th- he's saying Eddie or heavy again there at the end. Still not sure if I'm hearing Eddie or heavy. Leave it did up you to know others. what? I did not hear it this time. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying he, whatever that is, he's saying he's saying it again here. Uh, so a football hero, you got to be a football hero, is written by Al Sherman, Buddy Fields, Al Lewis in 1933. Do you? I just said that Vern. Is that his name? Well, Vern Rowe. Yes. Vern Rowe, whose character is called Vern. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, you can really hear it. His trumpet is really the defining sound of this little band. It's Agreed. Really good. 
Uh, I always find it a little hard to believe that Monty would really believe this is Oscar's band, right? Do you think he well, believes it or do you think he's just going along? Well, especially since, not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, he does. Oscar does not end up playing with the band at the end of the show. I don't think. Plus, Oscar clearly isn't interested in this band being there at all. He he's, just he just right in front of Monty, like exactly. So I found it. Uh, yeah, I yes. find this this is clearly a plot device to get. Why would yes. the show be on the, the band be on the show? And it, there's it always, a lot of very contrived plot devices going into this episode. Actually, so there's another music cut here with the Whiffin Poof song that was really when does that get inserted? Uh, somewhere there that I could detect because I didn't really notice it, but when I went back to read oh. our list of music clips, that's or cuts that was listed. I don't want to explain that song. I tried to figure out what it is, unless you have a one sentence description. Yeah, Yale. something to do with Yale singers. It's probably yeah. the Yale fight song. I don't know if it's fight song. Maybe I don't know. I I, I got lost. I as I started to Google it and thinking about playing a yeah. clip, I was like, this is just too involved. I so think you. I think you've earned it. So we have a new scene. Uh, we have establishing shot of fake 1049 Park Avenue in the living room. We see a piano and we see something covered in a blue sheet. And Felix yells breakfast to Oscar and he smiles at the blue covered item and he pats it. Oscar comes out and says, what's that? And Felix says, it's a drop cloth. Oscar says, I know that. What's under it? Felix says, something that dropped. Oscar goes to look under it, but Felix stops him and says, I got Miriam a birthday present. And that leads to our next scene. <laughs> I got Miriam a birthday present. Yeah, what'd you get? A purse. <laughs> Why don't you want me to know what's under the sheet? Breakfast is ready. Soft-boiled eggs? You know I like scrambled. Oh. Have a little variety in your life. You always have scrambled. Less cholesterol. At least you could have cracked the shell for me. You know that's part of the fun. Hey, that's good. That's good. The way you hit that egg, it had something set my toes to tap it. You did? Yeah, it's got a certain natural animal rhythm to it. Try hitting the glass. Yeah, yeah, more, more. Oh, that's really good. Makes me want to dance. Admit it, though. You used to be a great drummer. What great drummer? I had a bass drum twice a song. But you never lost it. I never had it. Talent will out. How would you like to be a member of the Unger Five Plus None? Come on now, I hit a glass with a spoon. You want me to be a drum in your band? I'm not kidding. If you had a real set of drums to practice on, then someone yeah, could Where would you... I get a real set of drums? Yeah. It's not a purse? It's not a purse. Come over here, sit down. Let's just oh, see how you look. Look how he picks up those sticks like a duck to water. I can just see it all. Give me a drum roll. Right, right. The younger five must not present right in the middle where money can see him. The Tim Fantastic Oscar Madison makes crazy me go go. Hold it, hold it, Mr. Music Maker with the crazy. Before Tim Fantastic. What? What was that where Monty can see him? What was that? Can't fool the fox, can I? Monty said if it was your band, we could go on his show. And that's why I couldn't have scrambled eggs. Well, I eh? had to do something. It wasn't for me. It's for the guys. They wanted so much. What could I do? I would like to help you, but listen to me. I cannot play the drums. It's a natural instinct playing the drums. You ever seen a baby in a restaurant banging the table with a spoon? It's so annoying. <laughs> exactly what I'm afraid of. I'll be so annoying. You're not a baby. You'll bang better than that. You'll have five guys around to cover for you. I'll teach you. It's going to be easy. You'll oh, have my breakfast. Musicians are always better when they're hungry. Sit down. You know that song that sort of features the drummer? Dun, 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 yeah. dun. Okay, let's wail. 
You'll you'll come in on the brakes, okay? And come in on the brake. And that was the brake. That's the brake. Maybe I'm throwing too much at you all at once. Do you know how high the moon? Somewhere in the moon. That's close enough. All right, here we go. And. It's, it's, it's too loud. Try, try the brushes. Ready? And. I think your problem is you're trying to show off, you see. Use just one brush. One brush? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. And. It's, it's too complex for you, isn't it? told you I wasn't a drummer. You didn't tell me how much you're not a drummer. Hold on a minute, buddy. You were the one who said I'd be a great asset to the band. You were the one that said I had rhythm. Somewhere between the egg and the drums, you lost it. Didn't okay, you? so let's forget it. No, 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 we gotta do this. I know, wait, sit down, sit down. Take your brushes. Here you go, here, now. Softly, make a sort of... Softer. Softer. I'm not playing anything. Exactly. Now you move around a bit. Move the body. That's it. That's it. Give it the eye. You know. Move your mouth. That's it. Here we go. And. So at the end there, the reason they're applauding is because Jack Klugman starts doing these crazy arm gestures with this crazy <laughs> expression of face. I always yeah. thought that he looked like a lunatic painter. He looks more <laughs> like he's painting than drumming. And he's got he, a lot of he's he's yeah, he's uh, he's hitting his sticks in the air a lot. <laughs> yeah. And he's got this crazed look, which is funny. It is uh, funny. And it's another teaching scene. right? another. Yes. Um, there's but one that I'm all, I keep being surprised that Oscar is playing playing along as, as, as long as he is. I agree. It's a, that's a little contrived. Uh, there's another music cut here. Uh, first of all, I do want to say, I think it is very clever how they got, or Felix got, which are the writers or Felix got yeah. Oscar to start drumming by making this, the hard boiled egg. The that's, egg that's clever. <laughs> and that when Felix flatters Oscar like that, it's always great. You now know, there's yeah. so transparent. There's a, uh, there's an I Love Lucy episode where uh, Risky starts to flatter Lucy for singing in order to get her to do something that she needs. <laughs> so it's it's that's it's an old TV, not a trope, but device. So there's another music cut there, which isn't easy to see. But when when uh, when he says it makes him want to dance, he starts singing mm -hmm. I've Got Rhythm. And they cut just like a second. of. I, I guess that. And he does a, a heel kick, a flying heel kick. Yeah. That's funny, I guess, because they had to allow, you know, how high the moon, like whatever little bit of that is in there that they probably paid for, that uh, they have to cut even a second of like a rhythm. So next, we're in a dark cab. 
going. Hey, can I just say, because yeah. I forgot earlier, Styx yeah. Madison. Yeah, you enjoy it. You like that? <laughs> that Felix comes up with that on the, you know, oh. just on the spur of the moment. Yeah. Styx Madison. Uh, so the, the cab is taking us to the, the characters to the show. Um, and we see them backstage waiting to go on the air. And the band is sitting there with Murray. And there's a man who we've not seen before sitting in the middle of the couch asleep. In the green room. In the green room, who will be referenced later. Alan says, say, say Oscar looks pretty good on TV. And Felix says he's been on 15 minutes when he's going to introduce the band. And Alan says he will. Oscar says to Monty on the show. So now we're on the show. And that's the only time that a college football game has ever been called off because of a volcano. And the fake audience in the show laughs at the <laughs> joke, which is a, that is a TV trope. Right. Where you come into the end of a joke that has no <laughs> the, real setup. Luckily, don't you, the writer just likes writing a funny punchline without right. having to set it up. Yeah. Uh, Monty says that's a funny story. Oscar says I've got a million of them, and Felix says we know, we know. This is backstage. Felix talking to the TV. Mm-hmm. Oscar says, "Oh, but I do have a sideline that not many people know about. It's this little musical group that I sort of pulled together." Felix says, "Fellas, this is it. Here we go. The big tag." And he does that hand slide motion that you're referring to, where he kind of slides his hands to with Alan Vern. Yeah. Felix says, I'm going to say hello to my mother, to my uncle Albert, to my aunt Doris. And they head to the door of the green room to go to the stage. And Monty says, oh, that reminds me, you have a story about a marching band from Northwestern. I went to Northwestern. I'll throw it in there. Felix says, who cares about a marching band? Oscar says, oh, you mean the time one of the guys in the band went on the field and hit the quarterback over the head with his flugelhorn? you got to hear this one from the beginning. I hope I can tell this right. And we see a look of disappointment come across Felix's face as he slumps against the wall, knowing his time is being eaten away. I do have to side with Felix on this one. Yes. I know Oscar's getting carried away, but who does care about a story about a flugelhorn? <laughs> Why not bring out your band? Uh, so now we see a dissolve. Uh, to Monty on the show saying, and we'll have more of these stories right after these commercial messages. And that leads to our final scene of the show. These commercial messages. How much time left on the show? Only two minutes. Only two minutes. Gee, we ran long, but those stories were so great. I didn't mean to talk that long. Once I get started, I can't When do we go on? It uh, looks like we're not going to be able to work the band in. What? Just one of those things. We ran overtime. Oh, boy, what a chip! You sure there isn't enough time, Mike? No, the, uh, we have the commercial messages, then I sing my song, and that's it. Well, there's no problem. We can do our song instead. No, the format is that I get to sing my song last. Oh, there must be some way. Please, Monty. Well, maybe we could get the band to play behind me. Yeah, yeah, and you and I'll do a duet. A duet? Yeah. Don't get pushy. Monty sings alone. Yeah. Well, if I don't go, the band doesn't go. Right, guys? <laughs> you gotta step aside for the good of the band. I'll play the trumpet. Cut out. You're through. <laughs> Come on, now you can't play the trumpet. I'll take it. <laughs> Will you cut it out? Come on, now. That's show business. You know the guy waiting in the green room? He's been waiting there for three weeks. Yeah, but I'm a personal friend of Monty's. Are you kidding? That guy's Monty's Uncle Chester. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it goes. I'm so close, I can taste it. Well, I'm not gonna play the drums. The real guy's gonna play on camera. Another broken bulb in the bright lights of Broadway. All right, Monty, take the band. Come on, guys, let's go. Break a leg, guys. You know, he's really upset.
Felix, am I on? Uh, no, Uncle Chester, we ran out of time. That's it. You're out of my will. <laughs> Felix, look, we don't want you to be upset. Why don't you come on stage with us? What do you want me on for? I don't know any funny marching band story. Okay, if you don't want... Well, I'll go on. <laughs> Ready to go, Marty. Thank you. Felix, why don't you have a seat right over here? Oscar, have a seat. And now for my closing number, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to uh, introduce you to a song that I just dug up, and I think it suits me so well, I'm going to use it for my closing theme every week. Al? One, two. Stumble it all around, stumble it all around, so funny. Stumble here and there, stumble it everywhere, and I must declare, I stepped right on her toes, and when she bumped my nose, I fell, and when I rose, I fell to shame. And told her that's the latest step, that's the latest step, that's the latest step, my honey. Notice all of that, notice all of that, notice all of that. She said, stop mumbling, though you are stumbling. Like it just a little bit, just a little bit, quite a little bit. everybody who came on our program and uh, a special thanks to Felix Unger who almost yeah, quite didn't make it. Felix, come on down here and say, come on, Felix. Bye, Bob! <laughs> Everyone, it seems, ever shares my dreams, cause without you, dear, I don't know what I'd do. In this heart of mine, you live all the time, sweet Sue, just you. So the drummer that comes out is uh-huh. Gary Marshall. Yes, of course. <laughs> Gary yes. Marshall. Uh, I believe in his first on-screen cameo of the series, he does have others, but I think this is the first. And does he play drums in real? Is he a drummer? Well, I don't. I didn't know that, but again, if he's playing along with the real guys in the band who are playing live, I assume he must be. Um, but I'm sure someone else can verify that, um, and I'm sure he might mention it in some of his memoirs or something. But I mean, like, why else do it? They could have easily gotten if they had a real drummer. They could have had a real drummer there who would i mean gary marshall did this thing knowing that no one would recognize him you know he would seem like this anonymous person so they could have gotten a real anonymous drummer so the fact that he did it says to me that i'll do it because i can do it that's what i thought too uh the expressions on oscar and felix's face with monty sing especially uh, (laughs) yes with uh, monty sings felix's song they're both very funny uh, so the man we mentioned earlier in the green room, who they say is Uncle Chester, is played by Sid Gould. He played many, many parts, small parts over 33 years, most of them 
uh, on the Lucy show and Here's Lucy, which were the follow-up shows that Lucy had in the 60s, not I Love Lucy. He was on 93 episodes of those. He played different characters, mostly a waiter or a delivery man. He was a cousin of Lucy, Lucy's second husband, Gary Morton, which probably explains partially why he oh. was on so many Lucy's and his wife was on them. He was also a waiter on four love boats. Speaking Are of you Lucy, saying Lucy had another husband other than yes, that, Yes, they divorced by 1960. You mean their yeah. marriage was not the fabled. I think people know these days it's not fabled. It was quite tumultuous. Hmm. Uh, now, Sweet Sue also has an I Love Lucy connection. There's three episodes of that show when Lucy has to sing or play an instrument. She says, in fact, she says it on the show, the only song I know how to play is Sweet Sue. Hmm. So that is a song I know from hearing it on I Love Lucy so much, because as I said earlier, I watch it twice a day. Uh, yes. That song is from 1928. Every song so far in this show has been from the, the 1920s. Which is, look, I mean, that's just a reminder that this is coming from Tony Randall, I believe, that his obsession with 20s and 30s radio songs, basically, or uh, is a big driving theme in the show, starting with David Steinberg episode, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why they needed this kind of band to, uh, to be there, so, so that Tony could sing these songs. <laughs> yeah, he likes them. I, I, I don't, I've said before, I don't, I don't like singing in the show or music i like this stuff i kind of like this is this your old, kind of music it's all my kind of it's my kind of music so it was, it was uh written by victor young and became a jazz standard and that is the end of this episode i like this episode it's not memorable it's not one i would ever seek out um and in fact even when i hear the title a different drummer i have to remember what it is mm. uh and because I, you don't I, naturally think of oscar as a drummer Right. And plus it's got, <laughs> you don't think of it as a Monty Hall episode. There's no reason to know that from the title. Like I forget right. this is the second right. Monty Hall episode, yeah. uh, but I like it. It's not, I would call it unmemorable, but I enjoy it. So I give it, and Monty's fine in it again. We said he was good in the first one. He's good yeah. here too. Uh, and he sings decently enough. He's like that mm -hmm. Tony Randall style. So I give it three and a half, three out of five Murray's for me. Well, uh, for me, this is one of the not so good ones. Uh, I've, I feel the last few weeks I've been defending the ones you hate. I don't hate this, but um, I think it's kind of lame, honestly. I think, first of all, even the gesture of having Monty Hall back as a guest, this is the first time they've had a reappearing guest star, yeah. not a reappearing actor, but like a famous person coming back. And that's weeks of a little desperation for me, especially since Monty Hall is fine, but he's not like a comedic dynamo, you know? he's just a popular person on the ABC lineup, right? <laughs> um, so it seems like another sign that by season four, they are sometimes desperate for material. What could be another episode? Oh, bring back Monty Hall. And I guess it's good that they didn't try to shoehorn in, let's make a deal again. But by creating this weird Monty's Hall of Memories things, it's all kind of arbitrary. And um, it, it, it's just kind of lame. They get, I mean, so, there's so much singing in it because I think they have very little writing to do. <laughs> it's like they they were glad to have all the songs so that they wouldn't have to actually write more scenes. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some funny moments. There's, you know, Felix teaching Oscar the drums, all the, uh, the, the competition between Felix and Oscar to be who can be Monty's best friend um, is all amusing. Uh, the band is great. Otherwise, as you said, yeah, not memorable. So I give it two.
Oh, okay. Well, if you have feedback or comments or information about this episode or anything else, you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Garrett, this whole podcast thing, it's too complex for you, isn't it? I'm not playing anything, Ted.